When you lose something, you reach for something. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. If you've lived this thing called life for more than 20 minutes, you've probably discovered that in life, you just go through some stuff. We go through trauma and pain, loss, mourning. We walk through challenging times. We go through trouble. And I find that whenever we lose something, when we go through that traumatic experience, and when we're walking in a place of of loss or grief, we reach out for something to give us familiarity, normalcy, or comfort. In fact, we even have a type of food to describe this. All right, when you're struggling, when you're going through some pain, don't you want to reach out and just make yourself a nice kale salad? Right, isn't that? No? No, you want comfort food. We even have, we call it comfort food. Man, how many of you are hungry and you want to go to breakfast and get some comfort food breakfast? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so we, we understand that when, when you, you lose something, you reach for something. We've been in the series called In the Boat, and while we looked at a couple, you know, interesting boat stories, Noah and Jonah from the Old Testament, really, the past couple weeks, we've been looking at Jesus's involvement with his disciples in the boat, particularly a lot through the lens of Simon Peter. We talked about Peter's calling, about Peter walking on the water, and now we see this final story. This is actually the last story in John's Gospel. Now, John's gospel is really kind of a unique story because he, he really uses symbols in a much different way than like Matthew, Mark, and Luke would. So when I read the gospel of John, I have to read it just a little bit different or understand it a little bit different than if I'm reading another one of the gospels or the stories of Jesus. So this is the last bit that John wants to include. This is the last kind of narrative piece of what Jesus is doing with Peter and with himself. Just think about Peter's life where we approach this 21st chapter, just right a couple chapters before, as Pastor Scott mentioned, this is a post-resurrection appearance. So what did Peter just walk through? He walked through the, the crucifixion. He walked through laws. And even on the night before, do you remember when they were at the Last Supper and Jesus said that one of them would betray and Peter, as Peter you know, always does, it seems, likes to get his word out there. And he says, I don't know about the rest of these fools, but I would never, if I would go to prison, I would die for you. You remember when Peter said that? And what did Jesus say in response to him that night? You know, really? Okay. Um, Three times, three times, Peter. You'll actually deny me before that rooster crows. We see him falling asleep in the garden. Can't you stay awake with me, friend? Yeah, 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 I'm good to go. Yeah, weren't you the one, Peter, just saying you do all these awesome things and you literally can't stay awake? And there he is warming himself by a fire of burning coals and a little girl, just a little little servant girl, says, you're one of those Jesus guys. I don't know what you're talking about. And again and again and cock-a-doodle-doo. Remember this story? You remember this story, right? So now on Easter morning, he has this moment of, of like, you know, he heard about this story of Jesus not being there. I mean, think about losing Jesus and then Easter morning. And as much as we stand beyond Easter, we think we get it, right? Because we've heard the story over and over and over. Just place yourself into his shoes, walk in his life for a moment. And just think about what is he going through in these days? 
He is going through such loss and grief and trauma and pain. He never had this opportunity to kind of make things right. We see Thomas gets an opportunity. We call him Doubting Thomas, right? Because he doubted that moment when the other disciples said, hey, Jesus resurrected. And he's like, yeah, right, buddies. I don't trust you guys at all. Unless I see it, unless I place my very hands, I have to lay my hands on something. I have to place my hand in his side. There's something really powerful, I think, about that honesty. And Jesus shows up in a post-resurrection appearance and says, go ahead, Thomas, you need, I'm here to give you what you need. But let's talk about faith and let's talk about doubt, really. Place your hand in my side and stop doubting and believe. Peter never got this moment, friends, to really say what he needed to say and to do what he needed to do to make things right with Jesus. And at the beginning of the 21st chapter of John, we see Peter say, I'm going fishing. Have you ever noticed sometimes that when people lose something, they reach for something, the thing that they reach for may be that thing that continues the cycle of pain in their life. May not bring them healing or hope. It may lead them even into further darkness or continue in this life of sin. When we go through pain, we reach out for things that will bring us comfort. And in the end, it may not be the healthiest choice for us. We see people do this. We do this with our lives. Now, what Peter's doing here isn't sinful, right? Fishing is not sinful. Can I get an amen from anybody who are, likes to fish, right? Fishing in itself is not a sinful act. But here's what he does. He wants to go back into that which is going to give him normalcy, familiarity, right? Or comfort. Because when we lose something, we reach for something. I'm going fishing, now, the past three years, right, would have been pretty cool with Jesus, seeing the signs and the wonders, hearing his powerful teaching, but really most of his life has been on that boat. So they go out, you know the story, what did they catch? They caught nothing. They caught nothing that night. I love just a couple chapters earlier in John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches, right? If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. What did they catch that night? They caught nothing. Jesus does his, you know, Jesus thing. He comes up on the shore, and he, it's kind of annoying, you know, right? It would, it would annoy us. Hey, you, how'd, you, how'd you do? You catch any fish? No. Oh, yeah, throw it on the right side of the boat. Man, why does he got to do that? And, you know, they do it, and here comes this miraculous catch of fish. And John, who, see, right, who sees Jesus, John is looking. He's a searcher. He's a looker. I, I'm, I'd love to talk more with you about John. I'll do that another week. But John sees Jesus. He's the one who sees him. He says to Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter takes his outer garment, wraps it around himself, and he jumps into the water. I don't know if the boat might have just been too slow. But he wants to get to Jesus as fast as he can. It kind of sounds weird for us to hear that he puts on something before going into the water. Because what do you do normally when you go to jump into the beach or you know, the ocean or the pool? Right? You take off your towel or you take off your robe. Or, right? That's how when you go into the water. What's happening here? Now, in order, I think, to understand a little bit about what's happening is we got to go and take it, take it old school. We got to go King James on this. So let's look at what King James is going to say and how he describes Peter in this moment. Let me put my Downton Abbey voice on to read the King James. 
Therefore, that a disciple whom... I should stop doing that. Um, right, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was... Na- he was what? He was naked? And he jumps in, he casts himself into the sea? He, how many want to, hey, you want to go fishing with Peter later? <laughs> so you can see now why in the, in, in kind of the more modern English translations, they say, yeah, how are we going to handle that? What are we going to do with that? Let's just say that, you know, he'd taken off his outer garment. And now, look, we understand that we don't see this necessarily as like a literal nakedness um, because that's, it's kind of a sh- weird thing, right? Thankfully, we all got dressed to come to church this morning. And so even in, in Jesus' day, it would have been kind of odd for someone just to be walking around naked. Where do we get this concept from then about the vulnerability or the nakedness? What, what's happening with Peter in this moment in the boat? Well, for me, I take it back to the very first question that ever occurs in the Bible. You got to go to Genesis chapter 3. And this is right after the moment of the fruit from the tree. God is there walking around, right? The man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. You think God is playing like hide and go seek? You're like, ready, ready or not, here I come. You know, come out, come out from wherever you are. You think God can't find Adam in this moment? You see, there's this realization, sin, right? This whole fruit from the tree thing. Sin had them turn inward on themselves. In fact, Martin Luther said that's the definition of sin, a life that's turned inward on itself. And Adam looks at himself and he's like, no, too much vulnerability. He sees it for himself, so he decides what to hide behind a tree or something. And God is there and he says, where are you? Well, think about this question, right? Again, I don't think God's unable to find could I even ask you that question today? We all know where we are. We're sitting here in this room, but really, where are you? Where are you? Where do you think Peter is in this moment? He's been probably working so hard that night that he just takes off his outer garment. He's wearing the inner garment thing, but he's just, he's working so hard. He's trying to work these nets. He's catching nothing. And it was just another, you know, he wanted to go out and to, to have a little bit of normalcy back on the boat, but obviously he wanted to go and catch something. And if you've been fishing before, it's not a lot of fun, right? Sometimes it's peaceful and relaxing, yeah, but at the end of the day, you kind of want to catch something. And I could just imagine Peter saying, look, this whole Jesus thing is done. We got to like get, you know, our income back. We got to like catch some fish. He is in a place of vulnerability. He's in a place of probably, I would think, shame. Shame in his nakedness. And what, what we do when we have those moments of loss, moments of shame and grief and mourning and pain, when we want to come to Jesus, we feel like we got to take our coats and we got to put it back, we got to cover ourselves, don't we? As if Jesus can't handle a lot of those things. 
as if a God who walked in the midst of the cool of the day in the garden with Adam and Eve could not handle that which they had just done. You think Jesus, as he's sitting on the shore, he's already prepared bread and some fish over these burning coals. You think he can't handle Peter in his inner garment? You think he can't handle your stuff? But I understand why we throw our cloaks on and we jump into the water to get to Jesus. And there he is. And there was this miraculous catch. And he says, Peter, why don't you bring some of the fish and we'll have some breakfast. And I just imagine Peter going back and grabbing that net and thinking about the power and the miraculous wonder of God and placing his hands again onto that fish. Because he goes and he sits down by the fire of burning coals and Jesus has a conversation with him. Now it's in the second half of this chapter, we didn't read it for you, but if you're familiar a little bit with Peter's story, this is what we call the reinstatement of Peter. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you, you, know, you know that I love you. And again, and again, three times, three times Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The answer is yes. What is happening here? If you're not even sure about uh, what's really happening, about the three times that Peter denied and the three times Jesus asks him this powerful invitational question. John helps us with the language. In fact, there's this Greek word, anthrechia. I know you don't care about the Greek because it's all nerdy. I'll talk about the Greek for a moment. Uh, but I say this just to say this. That word for burning coals is used twice in the entire New Testament. It's the word anthrechia, and it's used to describe the burning coals that Peter was standing next to when he denied Jesus three times, and the burning coals at the breakfast on the beach with Jesus, where three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? Do you think John's trying to say something here, friends, to show us what happens when we get face to face with Jesus again in the midst of our loss. Even though we want to go back on the boat, there's something that Jesus has called him to do, that is calling us to do, that as much as in our loss and grief we reach for something, Jesus is now inviting us to reach for something else. He did not call him to be a fisher of fish anymore, but to be a fisher of men. And now in this reinstatement, he's going to adjust it a little bit too. In John's gospel, Jesus is on the cross and he says to John, he says, son, here's your mother. And, and, you know, and he says, woman, here's your son. He's saying to John, take care of my mom. And now he says to Peter at the end of this story, he says, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my people. Peter, I need you. I don't, I, I need you to be the shepherd of my people. I don't need you on the boat. I don't need you with the fish anymore. I want you to be a caregiver to provide and to feed my people, my lambs, my sheep, he calls us. Would you, would you do that? Would you follow me? Jesus said to Peter at the end of John 21. I, just, I wonder what is happening in this beautiful moment. Think about this for our, our, our lives for a second, friends. If we're honest with ourselves, if we were one of the disciples, I think there's a part of us that would have almost wanted Jesus to stay in the grave. 
It's not that they wanted Jesus. Look at what this author says in this quote about the disciples. They never wanted him crucified, of course. They never wanted Jesus to die. But what a relief it must have been when the stone was rolled across the entrance of the tomb, sealing everything shut so they could go back to being fishermen, which they knew how to do rather than fishers of men, which they didn't. The resurrection was yet another disruption. Yet another invitation. When we lose something, we reach for something. Now here's what I want you to remember about what we need to reach for. Because I know that in order to find life, you need to lose it. That's what Jesus talks about. He says you need to lose your life in order to find life. When we lose something, we reach for something. So what is it then that we don't reach for that which will just bring us normalcy, familiarity, or comfort. In fact, we lose those things. We lose our boat. As much as these past couple weeks we've been talking about Jesus' presence with us in the boat and what that means, the truth is that that was Peter's last night on the boat, but today is the last day for you in the boat. We need a last day in the boat kind of moment, friends. Because we've been going back to that thing. We've been going back to that well, and it ain't getting us anywhere. We've been trying and going and reaching for that, which is just going to bring us comfort. What if Jesus is saying, you got to leave the boat. you got to jump off the boat and reach for him on the shore because he's going to lead you into that new life. When you lose something, you'll reach for something. But what are you going to reach for today? You're going to reach for something that's just going to take you back on the boat. Or will you reach for that which disrupts and that which invites into new life. I understand why we want to go back on the boat. Because it's easier to do that which we know than to live into that which we have never done. He's with you there. He's got the fire prepared. And he's willing to ask you as many times as you may have denied. He's willing to ask you that question. It's ready. We listen to his voice that says, follow me and I will make you not just a fisher of men, but when you follow me, tend, take care of my people. Just follow. Let us pray. We thank you today, Lord, for the disruption and the invitation of your new life, of your resurrection that reminds us that we're called to do that which will bring hope to the world. We acknowledge that we may be walking through some painful, troubling circumstances. We desire to reach for the true comfort, which is you. We reach even for that which might be new. As challenging and dangerous as that is, as uncomfortable as it may be for us, Lord, help us to reach, to reach for your new life, to lose our lives so that we might reach and find life with you. For if any one of us would come after you and follow you, we must let go of ourselves and take up our cross and follow. 
Help us. We need your grace to walk into that which will disrupt. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.